All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. We're in the fourth chapter of Romans. We're in what I'm calling the second section of Romans, which deals with our acceptance with God. How are we accepted with God? Romans chapter 4. So kind of let's kind of take a pause for a moment and remind ourselves. Again, we're trying to understand our faith. We're trying to understand what it is that we believe. We, there's a whole lot more to it than just pray a prayer and you're not going to go to hell. And there's, there's a whole lot more to that. First of all, you got to understand why people are going to hell, which we dealt with in chapters 1 through 3, up midway through 3. And now when we get from chapter 3, the middle of chapter 3 on through the end of chapter 5, we're going to be looking at what Paul says brings about our justification or Another way of saying is our acceptance with God. And so last week we talked about the basis for that acceptance, which is Jesus. But there's still a problem. We've got a problem. Even though we know that the basis for our salvation, the basis for our acceptance with God is Jesus, you and I still struggle. Well, why? Why do we still struggle? Well, because we've got ingrained thinking. We've been conditioned to think in the exact opposite of what the Scripture is trying to tell us. In fact, I'm going to make a couple of points here to help you to understand. So the first one is is this. It is natural for us to think that we can affect God's acceptance of us. It's natural for us to think that. It's natural for you and I to think that what we do is going to affect how God sees us and whether or not he accepts us. It's natural. Why would it be natural? Well, think about it. From the moment you were born to the moment when you first started speaking, to the moment you were first learning to walk and do other things, your parents guided you through life telling you what's right and what's wrong. And with that came rewards and punishment. And then you enter into a school system, you enter into sports or Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or whatever, whatever you were involved in. You enter into life, you, enter, you live in a society where we reward those who do good or, and we punish those who do bad. And so you begin to think in terms of that what you do is going to affect things because, hey, what you do affects the relationships around you, right? All of us have, can think back in our years of existing, we can think back to people that we were, quote, friends with, we were really good friends with until, quote, something happened. Maybe it's something that you did or something that they did, and that relationship doesn't exist anymore now. Some of us have regrets about that. And so we remember that what we did affected that relationship or our acceptance with that person or or whether or not we accepted that person. And so that's how we live, right? It's only natural then for us to think that we can transfer that over to how God deals with us or how God sees us. And so we might know that it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. That's one thing. We understand that on one level, but on the inner level of how we live our lives, the moment we mess up, first thing we worry about is, 
God, have you changed towards me? Are you out to get me now? Have I displeased you? Can I, can I ever get to the place of regaining that relationship with you? And some Christians, can I be honest with you, live in this place of where they messed up at some point, whatever it might be. And now they operate from the assumption that it's never going to be the same again with God. Because they've messed up. Why? Because they've got this ingrained, natural way of thinking that makes us think that we can affect God's acceptance of us. Here's the second thing I want you to see about this ingrained thinking. We cannot separate our standing with God from our actions as believers. The reason why we think that what we do affects our relationship with God is that we can't separate our standing with him as a member of God's family with what our actions are, which might be contrary sometimes to what he wants from us. And so we think they're connected, they're together, and that the one affects the other. And I'm going to tell you right now is that while we think that way, that thinking is wrong. In fact, that thinking leads to nothing but defeat. What do you mean? Well, let me give you a human illustration. Okay, so in our room here, we have people who are parents, right? I'm a parent. We have folks who are parents. We have folks who are grandparents here. Okay. I want you to think on the level of a parent-child relationship. A normal parent-child relationship, okay? A normal one. I know because we could throw a whole lot of, what about this situation? I'm not going to worry about this situation. I'm going to talk in general, a normal one. In a normal situation with a family, where there's a loving family, where you love your child, that child has standing with you. That child has an acceptance with you simply because they're a part of your family. They will always be your what? Child. They will always be a part of you. Nothing can change that, right? Nothing. Now, are they perfect? Do you have perfect children? No. Do they disappoint you? Yes. I mean, yeah, 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 they do. They, okay, so, all right, listen to me. So they do things that you don't agree with, right? Boy, we are dead this morning, right? They do things you don't agree with, right? Okay, so let me ask you a question. Does that change their standing with you? No, they're still your what? You still what? Accept them and love them, right? Now, are you happy about what they do? No. I'm telling you from that basic human illustration... That's what we're talking about with God. See, with God, you are accepted with him. You are part of his family. And it was never based, it's not about you. In fact, that's what our message is called today. It's not about you. 
It's, it's not about you. It is your standing with him is not about you. It's about what Jesus did for you. Because could you do anything to gain acceptance with him? No. So why do we think that what we do has to be done to maintain it with him? I mean, that's the impression I got when I first became a believer at 19 years old, went to a little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina. I was told that salvation was by what? Faith. Faith alone. Just trust in Jesus. Come to him. But then what I got in church was, okay, now that you're with him, here's the list of stuff you've got to do. Here's the list of things that you have to do and, and the impression was that I had to do it to maintain his acceptance of me. But here's what I've come to find out. That is a defeating thing. Because can you do everything? Are you perfect? No, I'm not perfect. Do we fail? Yeah. And what I operated under was this ingrained thinking that, oh my goodness, my relationship with you, God, is not right. You've, you've changed towards me because I've, I've messed up and I continue. I, I, God, help me. I can't help but mess up. And, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin, Paul says in Romans chapter 7. And he says, but thanks be to Christ Jesus, Right? Your acceptance with him is because of Jesus, not because of you. So do you understand? In our ingrained thinking, we can't separate the two, but the two are separate. See, that's why when, father, when the Father, when the Scripture tells you to come to him and confess your sins, you're not going to him to confess your sins for salvation again. You're going to him to confess your sins to what? Restore the relationship. Because you've hurt him. And you need to go make it right with him. He still loves you. He still accepts you. But going and making confession is for the sake of your relationship. And see, this is what Paul's going to get to us today about. He's going to reemphasize. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 here. He's going to reemphasize to you and I today that when we talk about God's acceptance, it is not about you. You and I need to really grasp that point. It is not about you, what you're doing, what you're not doing, who you are, who you're not. It's about Jesus. In fact, he's going to reiterate the point here because he's going to focus on two areas through the person of Abraham. That it's not about you, why? Because it's not by works. Your acceptance isn't by what you're doing. And number two, it's not by your religious rituals. And he shows us that through the person of Abraham. So let's look at it together. <clears throat> Notice with me verses 1 to 12. Here's what Paul writes. What shall we say then, that Abraham our father has found, was found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? 
Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also also describes the blessedness of a man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness only come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. Now, how then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. If he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of righteousness of faith, which he had while he was uncircumcised, that he might be a father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. All right, so let's take a look at it. You might be saying, wow, what's he saying there, George? Well, let's take a look at it. We're going to look, first of all, that it's not by works. We're going to see that in verses 1 to 8. And then we're going to see it's not by religious actions. So let's talk about the whole issue that it's not by works. Let's talk about, again, we're looking at the issue of acceptance. And he's going to give us the prime example of somebody who was accepted by God. That's Abraham. Everybody would agree with that. Yeah, Abraham. Now, I think Abraham is a perfect example of being accepted by God. Why? Because I can't think of a bigger scoundrel. We think in terms of Sunday school lessons about Abraham, Father Abraham and, and everything. But I want you to realize when you read Genesis, this dude ain't perfect. This dude's got some, yes, he's got faith, and it's, it's counted to him for righteousness, but this dude is, ah, uh, well, you know, just ask Sarah. Oh, let's go down and we'll visit this kingdom. Oh, look at that beautiful woman. Who is she? Uh, she's my sister. A half-truth. Rather than saying, she's my wife, because why? He's afraid of being what? Killed, so that they could take his wife. He doesn't do that once. He does it twice. How do you think Sarah feels? This is the man that we recognize as the father of righteousness, the father of faith, the father of the nation, Israel. But what I'm trying to tell you is he's a perfect example because with this dude, with this guy, is the perfect illustration of why God accepts us, not based on who we are, but based upon our faith in God. 
So let's talk about it here. So the first thing I want you to notice, we see it in verses 1 to 2, that here's what he says. Verses 1 to 2, he says, What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, has found according, was found according to the flesh? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. So here's the first thing. If acceptance was based on our efforts, we would have a basis for boasting. If your acceptance with God is based on what you're doing, Paul is making it very clear, like through the illustration of Abraham, if it was based on what Abraham was doing, then Abraham would have a basis for boasting. He could say, I'm okay with God because look at what I've done. But Paul quickly says, yeah, but not with God. That's not the, the whole basis of acceptance with him. In fact, Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It'll be up on the screen. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should, what? Boast. It's not your works. You can't, you can't just go into the throne room of God and say, here I am, look at me, look at what I've done, I've earned my place here. Really? We haven't earned our place, Right? It's not of works. Here's the second thing. Verse 3, look at this. Here's what he says. Verse 3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. All right, verse 3, believing God credits us with the righteousness required for acceptance. You want to know how to get the righteousness that's needed to be accepted by God? It's basically through your what? Belief, your trust in who? God. In his mercy, in his grace, which was exhibited through who, folks? Jesus, dying on the cross for us. His finished work. And for Abraham, what was accounted to him as righteousness, what was accounted to him as being justified as acceptance, had nothing to do with what he was doing, which, by the way, yeah, he did some good things, but we can also point out he did some really terrible things, right? But what gained his acceptance? Faith. Faith not in himself, but faith in the Father. Faith in God. Here's the next thing I want you to see here. In fact, he uses an illustration that we understand, working, okay? Most of us have to work. And maybe once a week or twice a month, we get what? Paid, right? And we look forward to pay. Now, when you get the paycheck, do you look at that as, oh, that was a really nice gift from my employer? Is that how you view it? No, you look at it and say, you look at your pay statement and say, you make sure your statement's right. Like, I did this many hours that I get, boy, they took a lot of taxes out. But this is what I have what? 
earned, right? Earned. It's not a gift. I've earned it. Now listen to what Paul says. But to verse 4, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. Now, let me explain to you. Grace is something you don't deserve. It's an unmeritorious favor. So when, do you look at your wages as a grace? No, no. You look at it as, that's the debt my employer owed me for what I did for him, right? This is the point Paul's making here. He says, but to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So here's what I want you to see. Getting what you earned is meaningless compared to the gift of grace. Getting what you've earned is meaningless. So here you are, you're doing all these right actions. You think that's going to gain you something with God. <clears throat> it's not gaining you anything. All your good efforts, it's meaningless if you're trying to gain something from God. I wish people would know that. I've, I've told you before, through the years of pastoring, I meet people, they'll all of a sudden, something will get on them, and they're like volunteering for everything, and, and they're showing up every time. They're like at the door waiting for it to be open so they can show up and come in church. And, and they're like volunteering for this, and they're giving and everything. And then when you come to find out what's going on, like what, what happened? All of a sudden, like, did, was it revival in their heart? No, it was... I need God to do something for me. As if all that activity and all that stuff is going to gain God's attention to what? Do something for you. How's that work? I know how it works on a human level. Uh, the, the different times through the years, I, I would do something, and Lori would see right through my efforts, and she'd say, what do you want? Oh, I'm just doing this because I love you. No, 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 what do you want? Isn't that how we operate? See, getting what you've earned is meaningless, but what's important, especially when it comes to the acceptance with God, is the gift of grace, right? His gracious gift to you because he loves you in spite of you. In spite of what you've done or haven't done. In spite of who you are or who you're not. It's a gift. Next thing I want you to see here when we talk about these works, it's one more thing here. Look with me at verses 6 through 8. He says this, just as David describes the blessedness of a man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Here's what I want you to see. Those who gain acceptance apart from effort experience total forgiveness. That is so countercultural. We live in a society that today especially is convinced that the only way to make right the wrongs of the past is to make people bleed for it. 
Have you noticed that? It's to make people do something to, quote, atone for whatever is done wrong. And I'm telling you, you can't do that. The only way to achieve forgiveness for yourself, for anything, is not by your efforts. Because, by the way, have you noticed that even when you try to make something right that was done wrong, you sometimes make a bigger mess of it? The way to total forgiveness is not through your efforts. It's through your what? Faith. Faith in who? Yourself? The other person? Jesus. Jesus, who is the one who accepts us. So he's... he's trying to let you know here with the first group it's it's not by your works because number one again it's not about you man let's get that thinking out of our brain that it's about us it isn't about you it's about him it's about him so you know, I think about this in terms of like when we go to be with heaven. When I hear people talk about heaven and maybe you're like this, that's okay. I, I kind of sometimes think we get, we get our focus wrong. Because we, we think about heaven, about what heaven's going to be like for us and us and us. No, no, when you get to heaven, it isn't going to be about you. It's going to be about who? Jesus. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. So last night I was talking to my, one of my children, my third child, second son Sawyer who's down in training in the Navy and uh, I miss him I miss my son okay I miss all my kids when they're away and uh, I'm trying to figure out how I can go visit him okay and uh, I know that when there's a federal holiday that uh, he has a little bit more time because he'll get that day off so maybe he could do so because he's really studying he's learning the nuclear program with the Navy to take care of the reactors. And that's a lot of intense study. And uh, so I, don't, I, I know I just can't show up because he won't be available. You know, so I'm trying to figure this out. And, and I'm going to tell you something. When I finally figure out how I'm going to go see him, when I go see him, it isn't going to be about me. The time with him is going to be about who? Him. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? That's, I love going out to eat. Where do you want to go eat, Sawyer? I know you're not liking Navy food. Let's take you somewhere and, and, and we'll get you what you want. You know, it's going to be about him. Because it is. The visit is about who? Him. This is the same thing about heaven, right? When we go to be with heaven, it isn't about us. It's about who, folks? Jesus. It's about Jesus and being with him. Why? Because he's the one who accepted us, not based on us. He's the one who accepted us, and when he accepted us, he gave us total what? Forgiveness. He didn't impute to us anything wrong. Is that not awesome? Talk about walking into a room with a clean slate. That's what it's going to be like when we were with him. So it's not by your works. But then here's the thing. We are Christians, right? And somehow we think that 
yeah, but isn't it what I do spiritually that gains my acceptance with him? Paul's going to go on now with verses 9 to 12, and he's going to tell you, no, it's not even by your religious actions. It's not by your religious actions. So notice with me, first of all, verse 9 through 10. Does this blessedness come upon the uncircumcised only or upon the uncircumcised only? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. So here he's talking about their religious ritual of circumcision, which was very important because you had to be circumcised as a child by the eighth day. And that meant you were a part of the covenant promises of Israel. But they also claimed that in order for you to be accepted by God, you had to be circumcised. So guess what? When the early church started, most of them were Jews. Gentiles would come in. They were, some of them were insisting that the Gentiles be what? Circumcised and so that they can be accepted by God. But Paul's making the point here, no, 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 no. It's not by your religious works. That's not how... You, you are accepted with God. It's not by what you do. Here's the point I want you to see. Here it is. Faith provides our acceptance with God apart from our religious acceptance, our religious actions. Faith is what helps me have an in with God, not how much I give in the offering. Faith is what makes me have an acceptance with God, not whether or not I come through the doors of this church or any church. Faith is what makes me have my acceptance with God, not based upon how much Bible I know. And you should read your Bible, but you read your Bible not for acceptance with God, but because of acceptance with God, which is the point I'm going to show you here in a moment. Nothing we do can spiritually can gain our acceptance with God. But isn't that what we think? Oh, I didn't, I haven't had a chance to do my devotions this week. I hope nothing goes wrong. Have you not said that? I've said that. Hello, what's the matter with me? Because my acceptance with him isn't based upon whether or not I had my devotions this week, right? It's based upon what Jesus did for me. So then we look at verses 11 and 12. And here's what he says. This is, I think, interesting. Maybe this will free some of you. For he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness, of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. And though they are uncircumcised, the righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while we still, while we, while still uncircumcised. Okay, here's what I want you to see. Our spiritual actions come as a result of our acceptance with God. All right, so what he's saying here. All right. Let's talk about Bible reading. There's no more important fact for a believer than to read your Bible. I've been around the world. I have been with 
believers who live in countries where they don't have access to a Bible. We have access to a Bible. In fact, if you have a Bible app, you have access to tens of Bibles, many different versions. You can go to a hotel and open up a drawer. And what's in the drawer at a hotel? A Gideon Bible. We have Bibles everywhere. We've got so many Bibles, we don't even know what to do. We've got Bibles. But the problem is we don't read it. But unless, of course, we feel we need something from God in which we read it then to gain acceptance. No, no, no. Paul's saying you can't do anything for acceptance with God, not even your religious actions. But here's what he says. That sign, circumcision, came about because he believed. It was the result of his belief. See, you're reading the Bible isn't to gain acceptance with God. It's because you are accepted with God. And when you read the Bible, he what? Speaks to you through his word. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your praying isn't so that you gain acceptance with him. It's because you are accepted. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, let us come boldly into the throne of grace. You don't have to come in there eking in, mealy mouth. Oh, God, it's me. I did wrong. No, no, you can come in. Why? Because you're accepted with him, not based upon what you've done, but based upon what Jesus has done. Do you understand? You give not because you're hoping to get something back from him, like a spiritual lottery. You give because, God, you've blessed me, and so I'm giving back to you a portion of what you blessed me with. Our spiritual actions come as a result of our acceptance with God, not for the acceptance. Do you understand? Man, if you just grasp that one point, it'll change a lot of your lives spiritually. Because you'll quit being down in the dumps, defeated. Because you think somehow, back to that ingrained thinking, that your standing with God is somehow connected with your what? Actions as a believer. He accepts you. He accepts you. This thought just occurred to me. We talked about heaven. When we go to be with the Lord, he's going to tell us something. All of us, the same thing. What is it? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's how he sees us. When he sees us, he's going to be there with open arms to embrace us. And he's going to say, well done. Now you're saying, well, man, I am not doing well. Oh, Oh, wow, why would he say that? Boy, I got this going on, and I did this, and I'm living with this, and I've got this consequence going on. How can he say that? He can say that because it's not about you. Man, when are we going to grasp that? It's not about you. It's not because of your works. It's not because of your religious actions. It's because of what? Jesus, and your faith in him. So get ready. 
Maybe it'll be this week. Maybe it'll be 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, 60 years later. I don't know. But at some point, you're going to meet him. And if you know Jesus, he's going to say to you, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you'll know what? It'll be okay. Because it wasn't about you. Let's pray.